National Realty Investment Advisors. You may have seen their ads on CNBC, on Fox News, on news stations. If you're in the New York area, you probably saw their billboards at the entrance of the Lincoln Tunnel, George Washington Bridge. They were very high profile in the mid or late 2010s, 17, 18, 19, advertising very high rate of return for investors on real estate securities, real estate investments. Well, that's all come to an end. National Realty Investment Advisors has filed bankruptcy and is now on a cease and desist order from the Bureau of Securities in New Jersey for fraudulent activities. We're gonna break down this case because it shows how a fraud case looks, how an investment scam looks. All of the signs of seeing this scam were visible before this all came crashing down. So if you're an investor looking at a potential investment, looking at a place to put your hard-earned money and you don't wanna get scammed, here's things you can look at. And also it's a breakdown of this particular fraud and we'll relate it to some other frauds. Every time we have a client that comes to us where they've been scammed out of money, <clears throat> they put their money into a Ponzi scheme. After the fact, we're doing an investigation deconstructing it. There's always things that we find that could have been visible before the investor lost money that could have avoided that loss to begin with. When we're doing an asset search or an asset recovery for an investor, it's a difficult time because that investor already lost the money. Sometimes we can get the money back. Sometimes we can find out where the assets are but it's much better for you as an investor to discover a scam before you put the money in or if you already put money in to get it out before it blows up. One last thing, you may remember that back last year, a year ago, in May of 2021, we actually featured National Realty Investment Advisors as a scam. This was before really anything had come out and now it came out. So what does it look like? Here's the state of New Jersey Bureau of Securities in the matter of National Realty Investment Advisors and all the related names. And we're not gonna go through the whole thing. It's a 63-page document. We'll go through some of the highlights that are very interesting. You can almost make a movie about this. And let's see what were the clues. And this can also show how we do an investigation and what goes into an investigative research of a fraud. First of all, findings of fact. The respondents were involved in a massive securities fraud. So that's the basic. They usually start with the the big headline, massive securities fraud, and this is done by the government agency Security Bureau in New Jersey. Section two, respondents executed their scheme by employing a nationwide advertising campaign, radio advertisements, 21% returns. Well, there's your first red flag. Anytime you see an investment scheme offering a high rate of return, you might think that's good, but if it's a fixed rate, no risk, no ups and downs, that's a red flag to look at. Doesn't mean by itself it's a scam, but you wanna know more about it. So high rate of return, a lot of advertising, there's red flag number one. And it goes on to say that you'll get an annual distribution of 6%, which seemingly robust. You know, back in 2017, 18 and 19, getting 6% on your money was pretty good when interest rates were low. They did not disclose to investors these returns were from not from profit, but from a return of your original money. So you gave them money and they just gave you 6% back every year. They could keep doing that for more than 10 years before they ran out of your money. So that's a red flag number two. And of course, now we know where that money went. The respondents, the defendants, misused the investor money 
and for their own personal benefit. They retained companies. They had a sordid past, which we'll talk about, some other previous criminal pasts or regulatory pasts, making lavish payments to their family, including Sazano's wife for no-show jobs. This sounds like The Sopranos, right? They're giving no-show jobs to relatives. This is supposed to be an investment deal, not some kind of cement company or garbage company. And here's the first crack in the armor. Salzano, one of the principals, was arrested. He used a forged document to induce an investor to increase their investment. So there was an investor looking to put in more money. And in order to try to get them to do that, one of the principals allegedly forged a document to show her that more money was being made from this scheme than was actually being made. That document was very easily discovered. If you had verified or anybody had verified that this document didn't come from an actual bank but was made on Photoshop, that could have avoided further loss. Now, it's one thing to forge a document to show to an investor. You Look, most investors aren't going to be sophisticated enough to do forensics on a document. Although, if you're putting a lot of money at risk, tens of thousands presumably, in this case, I believe that she was asked to put up 250000 you would probably want to do some due diligence on what you're being presented. If you're going to buy a $250,000 house, for example, you're going to get a title search, title insurance, all kind of due diligence. But throwing $250,000 on an investment, nobody took the time to even verify this one document that it was true. But it's one thing to try to fool an investor. Well, six months after that fake document, they tried to fool TD Bank. What they did was they forged another document to try to get a bank to pay 20 million to this investment scheme look it's one thing to try to scam a retail consumer investor it's another thing to try to scam a bank a bank is going to check these things out right so if you give them a fake letter of credit to try to get 20 million from a bank that's pretty risky that's not a smart thing to do even for a criminal that's not a smart thing to do banks are going to check this stuff out and then the bank informed them that that was a fraudulent document and they pursued even more to try to force them and coerce them to give the money. We'll look at that momentarily. Here's where we first discovered this possible fraud. One of the principals of this company, Scutaro, had a company many years ago, 20 years ago, called Norvergence. And Norvergence turned out to be a scam. They were selling these fake phone boxes to companies that said, look, if you buy this box and lease it from us, You'll have free phone bills. You get it, You lease it from us for $150 a month or whatever it was, and you won't have to pay your phone bill anymore. This box connects to the phone system, so you don't have to pay long distance. You have free phone service. Well, it turns out that once you sign the lease for this box, this company, Norvergent, sold that lease to a capital management company. They got paid up front for the lease, and now you were stuck with this box as a small business, and your phone bill didn't go down. It was just a big scam. So Scutaro put this deal together. And there was an investigation, and he had to sign a $50 million, allegedly, agreement for settlement. Well, that was all public records, this matrix box, right? It was all public record. So how do you get around that if you're forming a new company? Well, what you do is you pay web companies to try to hide that information. They paid $400,000 from NRIA to web companies to try to conceal their association with Norvergence. They made up these fake websites that 
had different news about Norvergence. They made it seem like it was a nonprofit. They used web marketing as a conduit to make up fake entities called Norvergence LLC and Norvergence Foundation to have search engine results. So if you did a Google search, these fake websites and blogs would show up instead of the actual fraudulent stories. They even took it a step farther. Scutaro, who was involved with Novergence, changed the spelling of his name from Scutaro with two T's to Scutaro with one T to disassociate himself from Norvergence history. We discovered this back in 2020, 21. So it was easy enough to find for an investor that wanted to protect their money. Also of interest is inside the corporation, one of the principals, a guy named O'Brien, was actually trying to be the voice of reason. He actually was trying to change terms on an agreement to try to make it more legal, to make it more legitimate. And Salzano was aggressive. He says, don't tarnish what we created. Give me a corrected agreement if you know what's good for you. This guy was threatening his own partners to keep doing things illegal. I'm not signing this a-hole power play, right? So even inside of a scam, there's people that sometimes try to be more of a voice of reason to keep it straight, where one person may be the one that's the poison in the soup, so to speak. Even to the point where this Salzano was saying that he's given him orders to get on our strategic page, get on the same page as me. Right, This guy, O'Brien, was trying to keep things at least close to being on the straight and narrow, or not as illegal, allegedly, but Sozana was screaming at him to keep doing things the way he wanted to. And this gets back to the money part. The company failed to disclose to investors that the monthly 6% payments were a return of their own capital. So if you invested 100000 they would give you 500 a month, 6000 a year, 6%. But really, that wasn't coming from profits of the company. That was just your own money. They're giving you little bits and pieces of it back while they held the rest and used it up for their own purposes, mostly marketing, advertising, and their own salaries. While they were doing this, they still claimed that the company was going to pay returns out of the cash flows distributed to the company by the investments. Right? They weren't funding the returns from investments. They were funding it from their own investors' own money. After a few years of doing this, when they started to get people asking questions and looking more into it, they finally disclosed that the company was going to pay returns out of their own capital. And the monthly coupons might have a source from investor money. It's kind of a way to try to cover it up after the fact. It didn't work, but the fact that they changed it kind of implied that they knew it was wrong in the first place. And there was a lot of other red flags, one of which is one of their largest builders that they used to do construction on their properties was a company called U.S. Construction. Well, one of the principal sons of NRIA, Salzano's son, was the CFO of that company. So they're double dealing or, or inside dealing with their own companies. That was not disclosed to investors, which allegedly should be. There were other payments to design consultants whose there were people's son-in-law, the website company was a cousin, business formation fee were done by a brother. So there was a lot of family dealings for expenses of the company. And like most frauds, there were direct payments. There were payments to Salzano's wife, 
close to two million altogether, two hundred thousand and eighteen, three hundred thousand and nineteen, another three hundred thousand and twenty, plus one point three million. So added up, it's about two million paid to the guy's wife directly. And here's another one. This is not to get too much into the weeds, but NRIA started to want to try to extract money from investors by charging an asset management fee or a property management fee or a finder's fee. And they tried to reword that fee a couple different ways. It was anywhere from 3 to 4 sometimes 5%. And they would take the development fees up front on deals. Sometimes these deals weren't even done yet, and they were taking these fees. And these fees were found by their accountant to not be properly recognized in compliance with general accepted accounting procedures, practices. So they were charging fees that the accounting practices didn't allow them to charge. And their accounting company said, no, you can't do this. You can only do it after the fact. You can't charge this up front. And NRI went back and forth with emails trying to figure out a way to do mental gymnastics to still be able to charge this fee, some of which were allegedly illegal. Their accountant stated that income and revenue from development fees would only be recognized at the time the project is sold, not upfront, not during the process. And they asked them very directly, Do you, are you saying we can't charge these fees? And their accountant said, yes, in big, bold letters, you can't do this. And the, the email went like this. Sozano asked the accountant to confirm the NRI should never collect the fee until the very end even under the way we are doing our accounting, to which the accountant responded, yes, you should never do this. But afterwards, they went back and forth internally to try to figure out another way to extract this fee. In fact, Dustin Salzano, who was the manager or one of the executives of the, of the uh, construction company, said, why don't we call it a finder's fee, not a development fee? And you know, he's a third-party general contractor, not an attorney, not an investment person, was getting involved with this company, which kind of shows the involvement of non-executive level parties. And here comes O'Brien again. O'Brien urged Salzano to phase out the excessive development fee, pointing out that it's not sustainable. We must phase this upfront fee out immediately. It's not sustainable. What did Salzano say? He's troubled by that suggestion. We cannot reduce his fees. That's a no-go. Development fees give us the flex. We need to pay staff. So they needed this to pay their expenses. They needed this upfront fee to pay their expenses. Otherwise, they did not have the cash flow. O'Brien took it a step further. He said in bold, how can you charge a development fee on a structure that does not exist? That's one of their executives talking to another executive saying, in caps, yelling, how can you charge a development fee? How did Solzano reply? He says, don't say this in writing. All these comments don't belong where you're saying them. We need to do this face to face. So he knew it was not something you should document. This is what goes on inside of a scam, inside of a fraud. There are many other smaller, you know, in relation, mini scams and frauds happening internally and, and red flags and smoking guns. The bottom line is that the New Jersey Security Agency said respondents made untrue statements of material fact in order to get investments. Basically, they lied to get money from people. That's what scammers do. I'll leave you with the link to the document in the uh, video comments. It's good reading. I'm not going to go through all the details. Like I said, it's 60 pages. The bottom line is that the New Jersey Securities Agency said, 
you have to cease and desist. You can no longer solicit funds. You can no longer even operate to continue your operation. And fortunately, this happened while the company was still kind of operating. There may be some assets left to pay back some investors. Presumably, some investors will get less than what they put in. They're not going to get all their money back. This is why it's important when you're putting a lot of money or a big percentage of your money at risk that you do good investigation. You perform due diligence on who you're sending your money to. Just because they have a website and advertising and uh, fancy sales presentations does not mean that it's legitimate. doesn't mean it's a fraud either, but this is how you check. There's two or three things that every investor could have checked out, checked out the principles, checked out the documents, checked out some of their their backgrounds, not relying only on the information given to you by the company, but doing your own research. Because obviously the company is only going to give you the good stuff. Right? We have a division of our company that does some, some uh, document preparation for motor vehicles. And sometimes people ask, because we have a website, they say, well, I just want to call to make sure you're not a scam. Are you guys a scam? Well, don't ask the scammer if they're a scam, because you're going to get the same answer. If somebody's legitimate, they're going to say, no, we're legitimate. We're not a scam. If somebody's a scammer, they're going to say the same thing. No one's going to say, all right, you asked, so yeah, we're a scammer. You can't get the information from the company that you're checking out. You have to get it from a third party or do your own research. So this is a very good read. There's a lot of good information in this document. I'm sure there'll be more to come from NRIA. You don't see their ads anymore. They're not on CNBC anymore. The, the federal SEC will probably get involved. There'll probably be some prosecutions or at least indictments. Again, all this is alleged at this point. There's no criminal prosecutions or there's no convictions. All It's alleged right now. But the parties involved, some of this will show you, they pled, pled the fifth over a thousand times altogether. So in interviews with investigators, they you know pled their right under the Fifth Amendment from self-incrimination a thousand times to not answer questions. That by itself says something. Hopefully... It's good information for you. Put your comments below. Do you have any experience with NRIA? Did you put money in? Did you avoid them? Do you have another scam that you lost money on? Tell us what you think.